Welcome, everybody, to the Commission Wrap-Up Show. I'm joined with a special guest, one-time father, one-time champion, two-time pennant winner, and also the most handsome man <laughs> in the world, Devin Milligan. How are you? I'm good, man. I like the introduction. Of course, man. I got to introduce you because uh, I know you're a little upset that I called you were handsome, but I think you are handsome. So let's let's get, out the, get that out of the way very soon. I appreciate so. that. All right. So... Obviously, you were a little fired up yesterday on the, the group chat talking about the Trevor Bauer signing being hoodwinked by, I guess, the ultimate social media troll, Trevor Bauer. So I wanted to give you a platform to kind of just go off and be able to discuss how you feel, um, and then we can go from there. Yeah, so you probably would have gotten the way more fired up version of this uh, yesterday when it was fresh, but uh, I'm still pretty pissed off. I'm, you know, I try to, usually the next day or a couple of days after, I can think about it and be a little more reasonable it, by no means am I saying the Mets are going to be you know a shitty team and they don't have a chance to compete but like I said yesterday in the chat these guys came out with the Cohen you know the Cohen hiring Sandy Alderson when he came back was like grinning ear to ear like a kid in a candy store so it, everything just felt like all right we're gonna make some big moves and the Lindor thing was huge but that felt like it was gonna be the beginning it didn't feel like all right that's it we're done felt like we're going to add at least one more big piece and right especially with the need for a starting pitcher and a center fielder both of them both of those were out there and ready to be had and you miss out on Springer and you miss out on yeah Bauer. let's not forget about Brad Hand like and I'm not saying that that addition is as important as the other two but it was the same context of like we were told we had him or basically we're close and then suddenly we didn't and his contract was nothing crazy it was like a year for 10 million dollars and I understand right. he can be the closer in Washington. So maybe, you know, maybe that was the end all be all for him. But I just feel like with Cohen's money and like being a little creative, you can figure out how to get one of these guys, if not more than one of these guys. And uh, especially he's going to a, a, a rival. So we're going to see him all the time. We're going to see Bauer once right. in a while. And everyone thinks, oh, he'll implode in L.A. and we'll all laugh and be glad that he's, you know, not on the Mets. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to kick ass there. And yeah, fuck him for right. doing what he did with the you know signed Mets autographs, you know hat and all that shit. But like, I'm way more angry with the Mets right now than I am with Trevor Bauer. Uh, Understandable. I mean, obviously, not even just spread hand on the market. You got Trevor Rosenthal out there too, whose velocity was up, who showed that he probably could be an elite closer in the league and probably will be going into 2021. So now you roll into 2021 with Edwin Diaz and Trevor May as maybe like the. The, the second up closer, Miguel Castro. You have Dylan Patances, who's who knows what you're going to get from him. And of course, you got Jaros Familia back in the in the loop. And that's not something that you guys can really, um, I guess, be excited about, especially when you had the, the option to have Rosendahl or Hand closing out games. Yeah, this is another thing I was talking about yesterday when we we're, were going back and forth in the chat. A few of the Met fans there kind of like disagreeing, you know, how good of an offseason this was. And I'll agree, like, I, I tend to veer towards the pessimism side. And, you know, someone like Perrier is kind of seems like the ultimate um, optimist, which, you know, it's good to kind of be in the middle somewhere there, I think. But uh, I, I mean, the bullpen, just what you said, it's all like it's potential again. And it's the same word that we've heard for years, it's potential. Like they could potentially be good. Those guys you just named can be great. I think Trevor May will, will be will be really good. A guy like Juris Familia, like every time he gets on the mound, I'm just hoping he can throw a strike. Dylan Batances looks like he's on his last legs. And I don't see that getting any better. Um, 
Right. So, I mean, and then obviously Edwin Diaz, who the fuck knows? But uh, here, I just want to put it into context. Like this Mets offseason, I saw Andy Martino yesterday after the Bauer signing said, like, he wrote an article and the headline was, how will the Mets cap off this unbelievably good season, offseason off or something like that? And I might be way too pessimistic, but that is way too nice to say about the Mets. They lost on Springer after it looked like we had him. They lost on Brad Hand. They lost on Trevor Bauer. Jared Porter is a fucking creep that we hired, almost just like the Beltron thing yesterday. Not that Beltron's a creep, but like just to hire, hire somebody to fire him a few weeks later is, is embarrassing. Yep. By the way, Mickey Calloway is also a creep. I know he's not here anymore, but again, he's right. You still got the, the stain, the stain and stink yeah, from you guys too. In the Mets uniform, like, and that's another guy we hired. Um, and here's another thing: somehow we kept. I lost you a little bit. All right, we're having some technical difficulties. I'm going to edit this out. But, Devin, can you hear me? The organization didn't say something to him. Like, this is, like, about done. So, like, th- th- that is right. embarrassing, too, to, like, let these things out that weren't done yet. Like, you were able to keep the Lindor secret. Why couldn't you keep this stuff closer to the vest? Like, you, did you get overexcited? And then I'll go on to say, like, now I read another report that said, once they made the Lindor trade and got Carrasco, who, by the way, that I think is not talked about enough. And that's amazing. I think he's going to be great here. But they said, because we got Carrasco, we're not interested in Odorizzi. Um, and that's still the case after missing out on Bauer. Like, why? Why the hell wouldn't we be interested in him? I'm hearing Jake Arietta. Like, Jake Arietta? If we want a five-year yeah. ERA guy, like, just bring back Porcello. At least he'll stay healthy. Like, Right. What is what is Arietta's velocity up to? Like eighty one. Yeah. Like oh, he looked great now? in a workout. So. Like, well, like everyone looks yeah. great in a work workout. Sandy Alderson signed Tim Tebow because he like thought he looked good in a in a workout. So like, if that's right. the move now, Arietta and like Jackie Bradley Jr. Like that's shit. Or Rich Hill or something like that. Like that. That's just a very anticlimactic way to close this off season after what was a great start. But um. Well, if, if this means, though, so if you look at the Bauer deal, obviously he's making $102 million if he doesn't opt out, $40 million next year, $45 million in 2022. That's a lot on the books. And for me, I'd rather have Lindor and Conforto guaranteed to be signed than Trevor Bauer pitching in the NL East. I know it's like right now it hurts, but in the long run, this may be the move, the best move that didn't happen for them, if that makes sense. I agree, and now it's up to them to – use that money that we still have that we thought we were going to use on other guys. We better use it wisely, whether it's using it right now or in the future. But like, that's what I'm waiting to see now, because why aren't these extensions? Like, why isn't at least one of those extensions done at this point? Like you have the money, like get it done now, because once spring training starts and all that stuff, these players don't like to negotiate once they're playing. So like, get it done right now. If you somehow lose one of these guys after this year, you know what a disaster that's going right. to be? Like if, conf- oh my Absolutely. God. Like it was great to see them get ahead of the whole shortstop off season. That's going to happen, happen next off season. Like we could have Corey Seager. It could be tre- uh, Trevor Story and a few other guys being free agents. The fact that they went out and got Lindor a year ahead of time. That's great. If they lock them up, if they don't lock them up, it doesn't really matter. Like it's a, it's a waste. 
hundred percent agree. And the, the thing is with like what started out as a, a different Met feeling with the, the new ownership, it just kind of boiled down to, and I hate to say it's same old Mets. It's like something's cursed on the uniform or the logo. I don't know what's going on with that, but um, obviously looking at the free agents, you mentioned the fact that obviously Trevor story, your boy is a free agent next year. And then you have other things like you have catchers, like you have James McCann, who's absolutely free agent as well. You might have to resign him. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I'm again, I think the team could do good things. I still, I'm still excited to watch. I can't wait to get it started. I think they'll be in it, but this division's freaking good, man. Like the Braves didn't get any worse. Their young pitchers are going to be better. Obviously they, they're going to need Mike Soroka to come back healthy at some point. Um, but, you know, they just re-upped with Ozuna. They'll be just as good, probably better, with their young players continuing to improve. Um, and Ian Anderson looks like he's going to be maybe an, a 1A right, exactly. ace. And, and the, the Nationals are sure as shit not going to be uh, as bad mm-hmm. as they were last year. Like, they're going to be way better. Um, they, I mean, they're a good team to begin with in a full season, so they're going to be good. Uh, the Marlins are young but getting better every year. The Phillies, you know, the pitching is, is pretty poor, but, like, they can still hit the shit out of the ball on any night. So like, they're not going to be an easy team to play 19 or 20 times, whatever it is. It's me for the Mets. It's like, it's less of a personnel thing and more of a, like, this was the year to change the narrative. And I don't think they did it. I I really don't think they, I think there's the last three losses of Springer, Hambauer, Jared Porter, all that shit. Like it's very easy for people to say, Oh, look at the Mets again. Like same kind of shit. And here's another thing that no one's talked about. I was all on board for the Mats trade, but like now it kind of looks weird. If we're really thinking Jake Arietta, like why not just fucking hold on to Steven Matz? Like I, I don't get that at that point. Like you, you must've been pretty right. confident you were bringing a better pitcher here. If you think Jake Arietta is the better pitcher, like get the fuck out of here. They had, to, they had to think Trevor Bauer was coming here and they had to have some, obviously we looked at, um, who was the reporter that I, that everyone's making fun of said the Nightingale, Mets deal was yeah. done. So, yeah, Nightingale was making – everyone was making fun of Mike Nightingale because the night before he's trying to get the scoop. And I, I know you said you agree with the fact that John Heyman posted it a minute before Trevor Bauer posted the video. But it's like, why do you have to be first? It's it, in the, like, let the guy post the video. And, like, Trevor Bauer can be a douche. He could be whatever grading and just annoying. But it's just annoying. John Heyman has to be the first to scoop on Twitter. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Like... I mean, maybe it was. It's hard for me to say that. Maybe it's because like I'm in the fuck Trevor Bauer mode right now. <laughs> like, maybe it's hard for me to right, be like, yeah. oh, they took his uh, spotlight away. Plus, like, I did want Trevor Bauer, and I actually think people are way too hard on him about the oh, one good season, NL Central, like Mickey Mouse Cy Young. Like, I I think that's a little bit harsh, honestly, with him. Like, I think he's gonna be really good for a while. Um, but still, like, is he the caliber? Like, you need a little more, like, I don't know, a little more behind you to be able to make a video like that, in my opinion, and act like, and, you know, right. it's one thing if that's like Clayton Kershaw or something, but I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll see. He's going to face the Padres in that potent, potent lineup for 16 times. He's going to be pitching in the NL West in Coors Field eight times a year. So that's going to be interesting to see. He's a career 4.2 ERA guy last year. It, maybe he made the next jump, maybe the workouts, maybe the preparation, maybe all that has changed the way he pitched, but he's going to have to prove it. I mean, he has the money now, but you have to know he's opting out in the third year and he's going to hit the market again. So for him to be the highest paid pitcher in the history of baseball with annual value is absolutely it is insane. insane to me. Like he's making more money than Garrett Cole. And you have to know that was important to him because they have that history at UCLA and that they, they don't like each other. So I feel like that's just like Trevor Bauer's slight fuck you to Garrett Cole. 
I have a little yeah, bit and more I, money I, than I you. cannot believe he got more. I, I the forty million and then the forty five, whatever it is. Doesn't he have an opt out after year one? Uh, I believe it's after year two, but uh, I, I, you might be right because I, I know it's very, very friendly for Trevor Bauer. It's like the ultimate cookie right. deal for him. So I pulled, I pulled the article. So he's slated to make forty million in twenty twenty one, and you're right, he has an opt out in the first year, so he could opt out after next year, and so it's a, it's perfect. So it's one year forty million. If he has another Cy Young caliber year, he could opt out. But is he really going to get more than forty five right. million next year? I read though that if he opts out, so. The second year, he's slated to make the 45, right? So I read that yes. apparently one of the details of the contract is if he opts out and then comes back, a lot of that money in the second year will be deferred. Like, he'll get it over time. But if he doesn't opt out and just comes right back, it'll be like like he'll get it all immediately or whatever the word is. But So I thought that was an interesting, yeah. like, minor thing of the contract. I mean, it's crazy, man. These contracts are going to get more and more creative. And that's one thing I'm wondering, like, it sounded like the Mets were trying to get creative with the, the Bauer stuff, but right. I wonder if they tried to get creative with the Springer stuff at all, because now I look at that contract and as crazy as that one seemed at the time, like it doesn't seem that crazy compared to the Bauer thing. I didn't like the six years at all for Springer because you know, he's not playing center for another six years, but, but um, right. I don't know. I wonder if they could have done something with opt-outs to be, make it more tempting i mean I, that guy was the perfect fit for this lineup we need we still need a right-handed bat like i don't know where that solution's coming in as far as if jackie bradley jr's you know he's comes here he's gonna drive us nuts on offense he's gonna be great on defense but he's, he's another left-handed bat like it doesn't help the right-handed thing at all yeah but you've you've guys had that you have a defensive specialist out there all and you, you need someone yeah. who can hit and you need someone with postseason experience and po- uh, obviously George Springer has the most home runs in um, World Series history, ironically, which is pretty crazy if you think about it. Um, and George Springer be the guy, maybe the final piece for that lineup. And the Mets lineup is potent without him. But you need someone with the experience in the big games, and I, I don't think that could be um, less stated. It was that, just so. either either one of those guys, Bauer or Springer, would have put us over the top. And it was the, the night that they basically said it was done, almost done to the Mets. I was on watching the MLB Network, and I think John Smoltz said, listen, if he goes to the Mets, this puts them over the top and puts them really close to the Dodgers. If he goes to the Dodgers, this just puts the, the Dodgers that much further away from everyone else. And that's another thing. Like, it's one thing if you went to the Angels and it's like, all right, well, enjoy yourself, you know, not being relevant there. But, like, he just exactly. the Dodgers are just going to be dominant. And I know the Padres, the Padres, but I feel like the Padres are going to be one of those stories where it, like, takes them a couple years to kind of overtake the Dodgers or, or at least come close to them. Um, well, I think it depends if, if Clevenger comes yeah. back healthy and if Tatis can stay healthy and play a full 162, but his style is not conducive to doing that. You know, he's going to get hurt. He's going to have a hamstring injury and that's the way they, that's the way he plays. So you don't want him to not play the, the way he plays. And obviously I'm, I'm biased because I want him to be the stolen base machine. I want him to hit the triples. I want him to be running all over the ballpark, but is that the guy that's going to be, built for the long term playing 155 games i don't think so i think he's gonna get hurt he's gonna have two or three stints on the dl almost every year yeah that'll suck if that's the case i mean what you just said reminds me and i'm not don't get me wrong i'm not saying he's as good of a player but that reminds me of jose reyes like playing with reckless abandon running all over the place the triples um you just can't stay healthy you never quite get to where you should be but uh i don't know i think i something about tatis i think he'll be all right but i just think i just think their team as great as they did and as unbelievable as it is, I feel like they're going to 
have to learn to win the big games, whereas the Dodgers, it's just like second nature at this point. I will say, I wonder if this contract for for Bauer affects, um, you know, renegotiations down the road with like a Bellinger or if they have any plans on re-signing Corey Seager. Um, the Justin Turner thing's interesting. That, that always seems like pretty much a sure thing that he'd be back in L.A. I still think he will be, but like... I mean, he's, yeah, he's hanging out so long. I feel like at this point, they just might as well bring him back for whatever money. I mean, and they're already over the, the threshold, so they might as well go over and just go all in and try right. to get another ring. And a legitimate ring at that, quote-unquote. I think what they did last year was special, but I think they are on a mission this year to prove, like, we have one. It was 60 games, but let's get another one and maybe another one after that. I mean, they've been to the World Series how many years? I mean, what, three or five oh, yeah, years they they've been to the, the World Astros Series? they lost one, which is, you know, now we look at his bullshit. Yeah. The Red Sox, Red Sox one. Uh, could be a little bit tainted too, if we want to be picky. Right. And then, uh, you know, this one they won. But, like, yeah, like you said, it's that 60 game season. Hey, I got a question for you. Do you think the Dodgers yes. would have done this with Bauer if it wasn't for the Padres doing all the shit they did? Like, if the Padres didn't have this amazing, aggressive offseason editing like Snell and Darvish, do you think the Dodgers had any plans on going after Bauer? I really don't think so, only because you roll into the season with Walker Bueller, Kershaw, even throwing Dustin May. Um, you, you don't need Bauer. It's like overkill at this point. Uh, I think it was almost like you want Bauer not to go to one of the rivals that could potentially play you in the championship series or the division series. So it's almost just like, let's just get him on our roster. Let's see how he does. Um, we have the money. We're already over the tax threshold. We might as well just go and give him the money. And you know what? He could be a superstar there. I think it's a perfect market for him. They kind of eat that stuff up. The, I mean, obviously LeBron is very popular there, and they don't. They really don't. They like right. his antics. So I, I don't know. I think Bauer would do well there, and I don't think any of the, um, the stuff would have played well here with the videos and the tweets and then the press conferences. Think about how poorly he did in Cleveland. I'm not saying Cleveland's the same as New York, but Terry Francona is a baseball guy, and he's a guy who's been around the game for so long. And Terry Francona shipped him out of town, no matter the town he wanted him gone. Yeah. So, you know, do, is that the kind of guy you want in, in in your in your clubhouse? I think um, rallying the troops. I don't know. Like it's it's a tough. I feel, it's a tough I've call. always felt like it could work either way. Like yeah, if he imploded like pretty quickly here, then you know that's a that's a bad recipe. But I could also see him being like a fucking hero at City Field, like just. Because we, I don't think we mind like a little bit of brashness if it's as long as it's going well and you're you're backing it up. I mean, even Matt Harvey, like he, I'm not saying he was the the same kind of guy as Bauer, but like he loved the spotlight and he fed into it and would you know fist pumps and the screaming into the crowd and stuff. And we eat that shit up. But I understand what you're saying. Had the recipe for disaster. LA is probably a better spot for him because I mean half the people at the stadium are just there as a, like a social status anyway. But Right. I don't know. Um, I think it's going to be very – I mean, if he pitched well in New York, that's a different story. I mean, obviously, you put up with all the warts of everything, as awkward as he is, being abrasive on the, in the press conferences, putting up the tweets. And the thing that bothered me mostly was the trolling. Like, I understand you want to make a decision, but you're not LeBron James, first of all. But And also, don't troll the other fan bases. He's wearing a Met hat. He's wearing a Yankee hat. He's wearing a Dodger hat. He's wearing. I think the Blue Jays were in there somewhere. It's enough, dude. You're not that guy. Yeah, that was bullshit, man. Like I, that was ridiculous. Like this, the signed stuff with other teams, just ridiculous. But I I don't know. I, I, again, I, I will obviously be rooting against him all year long. But 
I, I think he's going to do well, to be honest. He's, what, the third guy there? The interesting thing is you just said Dustin May. Dustin May is out of a rotation spot right now. It's it's going to be Bueller, right. Kershaw, Bauer, um, David Price, if he's coming back, which I assume he is, and Julio, Julio Urias, he I would assume, back, gets but... the five spot there. David Price, I mean, if I'm the Dodgers right now, aren't you thinking about, like, dealing him elsewhere? You have to be. Especially if they want Turner back I, here. I, don't forget about what. Don't forget about Gonzalez right, as well. He's shit out of luck right now. Like easily, he's not even close at this point. He's going to be a, a like a swing guy, I guess. But um, I mean, we've watched enough baseball to know there's going to be an injury. You know, Kershaw's going on the DL with a lower back strain. You know that's happening. So one of those guys will at least get five right. to ten starts, at least in in lieu of so one yeah, of those I guys getting keep, hurt. You definitely keep Dustin May and Gonsolin around, but like. I wouldn't be surprised in the next two or three days we, we see David Price shipped to his, like, 15th team or whatever it's going to be. Um, it was, it's just tough. I mean, the Dodgers have to eat a lot of that money, though, because he still has a lot of money left on that contract. With the yeah, Red I mean, Sox I almost forgot him. he was there because he, you know, sat out the season last year. But Right. I will say, the, the whole Mets thing, man, like, just to put a, a little bit of a ball, I, there's a few other thoughts I have, but, like, I just see some of the responses yesterday, and the optimism is great. It's probably better to be that way. And like I said, I don't think they're going to be a shit team. I think they'll be very competitive over 160 games or 162, whatever it is. But I saw so the seven line, like 10 minutes after the news, Darren posts a video that says, all right, I only got one thing to say. David Peterson, let's go. We believe in you. I like David Peterson a lot. Like David Peterson was great to watch. He's a complete surprise last year. He has the potential to be very good. Again, there's that word potential. But are you going to fucking say, all right, we didn't get Trevor Bauer, but we have David Peterson? Like, what? that's the shit that drives me crazy. Like, that, that is right. not equal by any means. And I get that. Well, they're operating like yeah. a small market club with an owner that's supposed to be a big market right. owner. And you're in New York. It's a big market. You're supposed to be spending the money. Um, which brings me to the Yankees. I have a few questions from your perspective, from an outside sure. perspective. Um, obviously, they roll into the season with Garrett Cole. He's the ace you know he's going to be good for you know the same thing every year uh, low three or a if not under three um he's gonna have whatever oh, 250 strikeouts you know what you're getting from him but right now as the season stands they are rolling into the season with Corey kluber as their number two and jameson tyon is number three jordan montgomery is a four and then domingo herman is their fifth starter so you're the New York Yankees, and you're and you're rolling the dice on two guys that potentially could be great. Kluber is a as a past ace. He looked lost in the last couple of years, but maybe the Yankees can feel like they can regenerate him, and it's a low risk deal. But your window to win is now. You're eventually going to have to pay Judge. You're going to have to pay Glaber. You're going to have to pay all these guys. I mean, if Sanchez comes back, you're going to have to pay him if he ever returns the form. We're sitting here with Kluber as a number two. This is not the Yankees that I grew up with. It's not the Yankees I root for, you know? So, like, so what's your take on that? That's my question. What is your take on watching the Yankees do that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not the Yankees that either of us grew up on. But, like, I mean, they had the track. They have the track record in the last few years of always, you know, getting just close to where they should be, like where the Yankees should be. And I, I think maybe their thought process this year is, all right, we didn't make it last year, you know, with Garrett Cole but we have him for a full season now. Um, I agree that the pitching is still going to be questionable, which has been their main problem, like the pitching depth. What's the deal with Luis Severino, though? Like that, that I feel like is an X factor. He's supposed to be coming back in July, but there's no 
you know, there's no guarantees because he had Tommy John and th- there's a lot of ifs. So Bizarro, I'm sorry for that. I mean, you, you have a nice keeper with him, but that's questionable. You're not sure. You, you toss in um, – who do you toss back into the, the draft that um, someone else wanted to – oh, he traded Giolito to you, didn't he? Is that where I got Giolito? I don't remember now. Uh, maybe you drafted him. He had Giolito back in the day. So yeah, I, I think I back, which is, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. We'll talk about fantasy implications okay. in a sec. But – who knows what Severino is going to be. And he, he might come back and he may be the same guy in electric, but he may not be able to even cut the top, the top five starting well, pitchers the, at all. The Mets, and you're going to the be Mets well- and the Yankees uh, in my mind, pitching wise are very similar with the questions and the answers we have. I mean, you have two amazing guys at the top that you can, you know, probably count on in, in Jacob DeGrom and Garrett Cole. And then you got some, well, if this goes right, if this goes right, you know, Marcus Stroman, bring him back. I liked that. I mean, is he going to be a little overpaid this year? Yeah, but not when we look at some of the other contracts. Um, and then the Kluber thing, I love that for the Yankees. But the same thing, as I said before, with the stupid Arietta shit, like, oh, we looked great in the workout. Who the fuck cares? Like, the, And Kluber's right. different because he has way more of a track record than Jake Arietta, at least in my opinion. But for the last two years, though, he had, like, again, we talk about losing velocity, and we'll talk about that with a lot of pitchers. But Kluber is his – Low 90s, like high 80s fastball. That's not – who are you getting out with that? Yeah, I mean, that's the X factor. And then for both teams, it's it's the guy that's coming back from injury. Like, how does Noah come back? How quickly does he come back? And for you guys, what's the deal with Severino? I mean, if Severino was even close to what he was the last time we saw him, um, you know, in like a full season, to put him out there with Cole and then possibly if Gary, uh, if Corey Kluber can kind of rebound, I mean that's nasty. Then you, then you can talk about having, you know, lights out stuff in the in a playoff series. But the only sure thing is is Garrett Cole. So and then the, now you got to. I think a lot full of teams, though, from either Judge or Stan. You're not going to get a full season from both. But I th- to me, one of those guys has to play a full season. Right, but lot, I think a lot of teams are looking at the rest of the league and saying no one else is competing. There's you know 16 teams out of 30 32 that are rebuilding. Maybe more than that. So, like, legitimate contenders you have in the NL, you probably have, what, the Mets, the Dodgers, and the Padres? I mean, I, I think, like, the, who else? I, oh, the, I think Braves, the Braves and the Nationals Braves, are yeah. going to be right in the thick of things again, honestly. I think the NL East is going to be, to me, I, I know I'm biased, but to me, I don't see how it's not one of the most competitive divisions. 100%. I mean, the Yankees probably were hesitant to even make moves because the Rays were obviously tearing it all down. The Red Sox are still in rebuild mode. The Blue Jays are kind of there, and the Orioles are an absolute train wreck. So, if you're the Yankees, it's like, let's let's go into the season with the lineup we have, but it might not be good enough to get you to win a World Series or get you past the hump. You still have to face the Astros. The Astros are still going to be there. And, like, I don't know, though. Why not just take the next yeah, step? Yeah, I know. I agree. They could have, I think, put a stamp on being, like, easily the favorites right now. I'll be And the Rays, to me, the Rays, I could see this being another one of the seasons where they kind of go back to always kind of being around, but by the end of the season, they have just, like, they're a little better than 500. I, that that's my guess for this year. Like I know they always kind of are sneaky, but I, I don't know. I just I just don't see it this year. I thought I'm resisting to saying <laughs> it because I don't want anyone to be on my be on my level with uh, the the draft. But Chris Archer was just resigned by then for one year yeah. deal. So I mean, I could see them getting him back to form, and all of a sudden they have Chris Archer, who's like the ace that he was, and they have both sides of the deal with Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh is obviously they got the worst of the deal anyway, but it hurts even worse to watch Archer pitch well. <laughs> yeah. Than oh yeah. That's uh, unbelievable. Absolutely, if that happens, I mean, God, imagine being a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. That's a whole other subject. But oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, now we have Tyon. So, like, I mean, Tyon and Garrett Cole are friends, but 
And and I love Tyon. I love watching him pitch, but he's never stayed healthy. He's had how many Tommy Johns? Two. He had a, a surgery on his rotator cuff. It's like, I mean, if he could stay healthy, he's a big boy. He's out there. He taught, He has high velocity. He throws strikes, but he can't stay healthy. So. Yeah, I hope he. I hope he has a good season. I, I mean, I very rarely root for any Yankees, but like that'll be a story I'm rooting for because he's been through, you know, a ton of shit uh, for him to. And he also was a cancer yeah. survivor too, which we forgot for to him mention. to get yeah. here, like to play for the New York Yankees after all that shit's pretty cool. Um, just like right. it'd be a shame if it doesn't work out very well, but um, hopefully it does. Yeah, I don't know, man. The Yankees, I mean, the Yankees are the Yankees. They'll be there at the end. Um, and I, I do think the AL is easier than the NL this year, to be honest. Like, and maybe yeah. it's just as a Mets fan in in that division, like it's just hard to win the division in the first place. Um, but no, I, th- I think the Yankees will be okay. And I, I also think they they might be thinking, like, we'll obviously be fine by the All-Star break, and then we'll we'll trade for somebody. You know, we'll trade for someone that's on the market, and we'll be all right. Yeah, maybe Luis Castillo will finally you know, be cut loose from uh, – Well, that's, I was actually we'll going to ask you. I'm just going like racking my brain for the Mets right now, and I do think the most likely scenario is something that, you know, kind of bores me with, like, Jackie Bradley Jr. and another kind of – you know, shitty washed up pitcher. But like, I, I was wondering, like, will we have any interest in a Luis Castillo? Would we try to call Cincinnati up? Would we try to ask them about Sonny Gray? Like, his name was all over the place at the beginning of the offseason. I know he wasn't good in New York once, but like, I still think Mets and Yankees, it's a different feel. Um, is yeah. Chris Bryant still a possibility? Can he can he be a center field option, or is he just going to play the corners in third? Charlie Blackman, like you mentioned. Yeah, that, that was a, a Mets blog article, and I don't think there's really any weight to that. I think it was just some guys kind of saying, like, oh, well, the Rockies traded their best guy, so they might as well trade everyone now. Um, uh, Trevor Story's, Trevor Not Story's wrong. interesting, <laughs> too. Like, I don't understand why they're holding on to him. Like, do you think there's any shot in hell he's going to re-sign with them now after they, they gave Arenado away? Like, I... In my opinion, zero chance, but there needs to be one player that brings play, uh, fans to the ballpark when they can go back. And he might be that unlucky guy. He may be the guy that they just, you know what? We'll sell jerseys. You'll go out there. We weren't really competing in the NLS because it's a lost cause with the Dodgers and now the Padres being the powerhouse. And, but I could see Charlie Blackman being traded. What's the point of keeping him on that team when you could just, you're not going to win the division. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. But it's a shame to see guys like that go to, go to waste. Like they're exciting players. And, I mean, I, if Trevor Story goes into next offseason as a free agent, they haven't locked him up, um, which I don't think they will. He already admitted he's very frustrated that they got rid of Arenado. I guess they were really close friends. But, like, if you're Trevor Story, you make it to, to free agency. I would wonder if the Mets are at all interested if if he's willing to play third base. Do you think he's the kind of guy who could move over move over there and play third? Uh, I mean, A-Rod did it, and Trevor Story is a little bit more athletic than A-Rod um, was at his age. So, yeah. God, for me, uh, talking about putting someone over the top, like, I, I just think that he would add so much to to this team. And I, and I don't think of him has the typical, like, oh, well, his stats are inflated in Colorado. Like, they probably are a little bit, but he's kind of an all-around player where he steals bases, too. Nobody talks about the guy. But right. I know the Shredder recently had on MLB Network, they had him ranked as the number one shortstop in the game right now like based on what he's done the last couple of years. So, I I mean, that's something looking into the future, if we have this extra money, depending on what we do with uh, extensions at this point. Yeah. And the thing is with Trevor Story, he's doing it in sort of isolation in Colorado. And he's, 
quiet. He would be a huge star elsewhere. I mean, the guy is absolutely unbelievable. He puts up, I mean, as you know, you've had him as a keeper four or five years now with, uh, with our league. The guy has an on-base that is always up there. I mean, he's an MVP contender every year. Uh, like, I don't, I don't see a, a bad move about getting him on your team. And like, if I'm Trevor Story, there's not much winning going on in Colorado. I'd be willing to at least make the the shift over to third base to potentially be on a contender. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. There's if he does make free agency, I think there's gonna be plenty of suitors. Um, and I don't know. The, the Mets might say, "No, he's a shortstop." We have Francisco. We have Lindor, and like that's it. But uh, I mean, I would at least look into it because I I could see him. I, I I just pulled up his uh, split, by the way. So his home and away split. So he's had 304 games at home, 299 in the way. So it's as even as you get. So you bat an average 304 at home, 250 away. Um, home runs, 84 at home, 50 away. Um, let's see. Uh, on base, 370 at home, 315 away. Slugging percentage, 624 at home, 445 away. That's a little bit more jarring. Um I mean, obviously at home he's more comfortable, and I, I don't think it's going to be so much the the course of the course field effect. It's going to be getting used to um, playing your games in a different ballpark, just like anybody. It's just getting used to a different ballpark, I mean, changing your game. City Field has a different dimensions, obviously, than Coors Field, and the ball doesn't fly out as much as doesn't Coors. But um, it, it wouldn't worry me. I mean, obviously there's always going to be uh, the slide, the numbers will slide a little bit while the player adjusts. I expect that with Arenado, but I think things will even out. The player is the player. The yeah, those player. numbers you just said, I'll be honest, they're a little further apart than I would have guessed, but they still don't really scare me away right off the bat. Um, the Arenado thing is interesting. I, I kind of just have this feeling, and I, I might be completely off, but I kind of just have this feeling he's going to be similar to Goldschmidt in Goldschmidt's first year in St. Louis. And I remember that year very well because I took Goldschmidt. And I was sorely, sorely yeah. disappointed and what I got out of him. The thing about the Cardinals is they're a big market team, not big market, but one of the baseball's elite franchises. And for some reason, they're just like obscurity when they go there. I mean, aside from pool holes, where's the star power as far as like mainstream star? They Goldsmith, you think would just would grow into the superstar in St. Louis. And I feel like he's like more subdued. I don't know if that's just me. Yeah. I, and you know what? The NL West as a whole, I just feel like some of the guys that leave there, it's just, not, I don't know. It takes them a while to adjust. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just that they, when they play in the NL West, even if you're not a Rocky, you get to play there a bunch of times. Um, it could be something like the Patriot effect. You know, the Patriot where Bill Belichick, everyone just falls in line. It might just be the cardinal way. You put on the jersey and play the game, and you're not really going to be like sticking out. I, I just feel like it's the cardinal way, and they it works for them. Hey, they got you know a winning tradition. They have all these Hall of Famers on their team. I mean, team's history. So. It works for them, but maybe it's just not good for like superstar power. Like MLB was probably stoked to get him into St. Louis, but is it really the best fit for like building that mainstream star? Yeah, I'm like speaking of them though too. I'm just shocked that the whole Yadier Molina thing is still hanging over their head. Like, what could he possibly want that you're gonna let this like all time Cardinal possibly go somewhere else? Like he'll end up back there, but like the fact that that's still kind of hanging over their head is is strange. Strange to me. Yeah, and the money he probably wants does not fit with the the skill set he has. And you're going to be paying similar to what we did for Jeter in New right. York. You're going to be paying from what he did, not so much what he can do. So I think the Cardinals are like wary on it, especially catcher. Um, as you see, like I don't know if you've done any preparation for the draft and you're looking at catchers, it's really thin and it's really bad outside of real media. Oh yeah, like it, it's, I, I, it's I really just... bad. And James McCann is number two, so you guys have number two in your 
uh, in your grasp in New York. So in the Mets. yeah, he. I mean, he's a big X factor, man. Like I, I liked the signing for sure, but um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how he does here. I mean, I like the attitude. He seems like he'll fit here pretty well. Um, and he does. He he has some pretty good stats as far as you know working with pitchers and the numbers they put up. But um, we'll see. I uh, to me. I think that's I think that's an important thing now. I think what that's what everyone's looking for defense, and they're going to be looking at uh, how they work with the pitchers because like Kyle Hijakioka wound up facing a lot of um, those lineups in the playoffs just because Sanchez couldn't block balls. So they, the defense was worth more than the offense at this point. Yeah, I agree. There's just because there's just not enough guys out there that are going to put up legitimate offensive numbers. Like it's just not a thing anymore well that might change though if you if you got those robotic umps like obviously manfred is really trying to increase the playoffs decrease the season change all these things about, about the game to do the dh all of that they're trying to change it maybe robot umps is next and like what does that do for the defensive catcher are they just like like the framing guys the one that are changing their whole approach to framing pitches and getting the best calls if that doesn't exist, what happens to those Yeah, guys? I hadn't thought about that, but I really, really hope that we do not see uh, robotic umpires. Like, we've, we've like, took enough – we've already took a, a bunch of parts out of the game with the whole, like, human interaction. Like, the fact that coaches can't really ar- come out and argue and shit. Like, I, like, I get it, but, like, as a fan, you love that stuff. Like, that's the, the drama. Like, I'll tell you, the one thing that Major League Baseball, I feel like, can never really get right – well, two things, really, is, like, letting their – players personalities shine which they're getting a little better at they're getting a little better at but then also like the drama like there's no league that is better at building up drama than the nba and i'm not a big basketball fan but like they're just so good at it and football's gotten a little better as well baseball's really never been able to do that maybe it's too long of a season i don't know but uh yeah possibly it just never really happened i mean you're right about the nba you look at like Baseball blames it on the markets and they blame it on the fact that they're playing in these places that, you know, maybe aren't as populated, not as nationally televised, but the NBA has their biggest star in Milwaukee. They had their biggest star in Cleveland for how long? I mean, obviously he went to Miami and then eventually went back to LA, but the NBA Mecca was in Cleveland for how many years because of LeBron James. You could do that in baseball if you do it right. Um, But 82 games is different than 162 games. I know what you're saying. Right. Yeah. I, I think drama can be hard to build when you're I mean, if you're a baseball fan like all of us are, like it's easy to stay in stay tuned in for all from April to, you know, October, November. But uh for the average fan it's definitely not. I'll tell you this. Yeah, it's a strain. Yeah. I mean if you look for someone to like for example, like I talk to people about their leagues and just like other to get ideas about what other um people in my life are doing with baseball and they they either say, I'm not playing fantasy baseball, it's too long or I tried to play and the season dies by July or dies by August and there's people eliminated. So that's why it's really important to me to keep this league competitive and growing and ever changing and whatever it is right now, I want it to continue because there, in my life, I've never been in a baseball league that's been like this. And I think obviously with Nick, Nick, if you're listening to this, you're joining a league that is very competitive. Everyone in this league is, very informed to the point where you can trust any move they make. You can trust the things that they do to their rosters, even if you don't agree with it. That's what I think separates us and separates from other leagues, because you always have to worry about that person in the league. That is, I mean, you can read the, con- the, the new constitution. I made. Mean, I'm not sure if anyone's checked that out um, about 
collusion and all that. I'm not really worried about that. I put it in place just to have it, to have a staple if there is an issue in the future. But I'm never worried about that with the guys in this league because and girls um, because of the quality of people and the quality of um, informed baseball fans we have. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that's ever going to be a problem. Um, but I know you want to talk about fantasy. Before we, we go that, just to put a bow on like our teams, um, so I have an opinion on what like the the X factor for the Mets is going to be, or maybe two. If, but before I say mine, for the Yankees, if you had to pick one or two X factors, that's going to make the difference for you know how far they go. Um, what would you come up with? X factors. I would say if Aaron Judge stays healthy, so uh, healthy to me would be play 130 plus games for me. That's an X factor for me. Um, I would say um, Aroldis Chapman. Uh, let's see, doesn't doesn't spend time on the IL and also um, pitches like an elite closer. That would be huge for them because their bullpen's already uh, pretty consistent. And then the third for me would be either Kluber or Tyon pitches as a, at least number three as uh, in quality goes. And I think Cole can carry the rest of the staff through um, kind of a weekend AL East. What right about you with the Mets? That makes sense. Um, so I'll, I'll say one that I think really no one's talking about right now. Um, and I, it makes sense that no one's talking about it right now. They will as we get to like spring training and stuff. But for me, number one, I think is finding out who Pete Alonso really is. Um, and what I mean by that is he the 53 home run, like electric clutch uh, home run derby champion guy that we saw two years ago. Or is he the guy we saw last year where he was clearly frustrated and just like kind of you know, he felt like he was holding the bat too high, like he was putting too, I mean, too, uh, too tight, putting pressure yeah. on himself every time. And in that case, if, if he's the guy he was last year, that's a very average first baseman, maybe honestly below average because they're supposed to put up numbers. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I don't think that's the guy he is. But I also don't know if he's that guy we saw in his rookie season. Like he might be somewhere in between. I think that's an enormous X factor for these guys. And then my other thing is how much, if there's no DH, how much that's going to hurt us. You know, I never thought I'd be rooting for the DH in the NL as like a national base, National League baseball guy. But uh, with our, you know, with Dom Smith there, like Dom needs to play. Like this guy has shown he could be an all-star kind of player. Like he needs to play. But how much is that going to hurt us if he's playing out in left field often? Like as far right. as defensively, like we did a great job at putting better defense, defense behind the plate and at shortstop. Um, we didn't really finish the job. I, I really thought they were going to, they were going for, improving the up-the-middle defense, right? They always talk about second, short, uh, center, and catcher. And I know they could still get Bradley, and that, that'll kind of finish it out. But, like, as of now, we haven't completed that. So I feel like that makes it even stranger to have, you know, Nimmo out in center, who's a terrible defensive center fielder. Um, Dom in left, love Dom, but, like, he doesn't belong out there. So, and Conforto, honestly, he's, he's a much better defender than anyone gave him credit for coming out of college. Everyone shit on his defense. Um, when he was coming up from the minors, but he looks pretty good out there to me. Um, and if he can keep that shoulder healthy too, he has proven that he could be an offensive commodity, both fantasy wise and for the Mets. He he was amazing. Yeah, I mean he was all throughout those years before he got hurt. I, I had him last year, and like if it was, you know, I would have loved to keep the guy, but uh, I just couldn't quite get there, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I think he'll be all right. That that was a scary shoulder injury he had a couple of years ago, just kind of awkward. But though, yeah, those are my two. I think I, I easily could say the bullpen. But honestly, that's kind of just a generic answer for every single team in the league because you never know what you're going to get pretty much out of any bullpen. So uh, I'll go right. with those two things. I, I think, too, the thing about um, Pete that's a little bit 
understated is the fact that he plays the full season. So last year he played 161 games. I mean, I would say his rookie year in 2019. And then the, for the shortened season, he played 57 games. So he's missed only four games over the course of his short career. And if he's going to be doing that, that's worth its weight in gold to have a guy you can pencil in every day. He's going to be in there. Even when he's slumping, he's a presence in that lineup. Is he a 53 home run guy every year? Probably not. No, he, I think he, doesn't, he can hit 40 home runs. I think he can hit 40 home yeah, runs. Yeah, don't get me wrong. He doesn't need to be a 53 home run guy. But, like, but yeah, he needs, to, he needs to be able to put up 30-plus, I think, most seasons. And the seasons that he puts a little less – you know, in the low 30s instead of the high 30s or low 40s, he needs to be – his average needs to be up a little bit. He needs to be playing better defense. Um, yeah. I think he can be that guy partly because you just see, like, the desire in that guy. Like, he's not somebody who's just going to rest on his laurels. But, like, um, I don't know. I think this is a big season for him, season three. That always seems to be a, a big turning point. He started hot, obviously, in 2019. But you could pick any 57-game stretch – throughout that first season and probably find similar numbers to what he had last year. And we'd be like, Oh, if that was the full season, we'd be very disappointed. So there probably be numbers that are actually worse than that. So any, the, the shortened season to me should be discounted like for fantasy wise and for um, it's crazy that Trevor Bauer got paid based on it, but it's such a short sample size to take the good or take the bad and like magnify it as the be all end all is, is challenging for me. And it's really hard because you see it, it's in black and white. It's going to be on the back of their baseball cards. For the remainder of time. I agree. I think but, I think a lot of the stars or like the all-star kind of offensive players that struggled, they're just, you know, it's just they knew every at-bat carried a little more weight than usual. Um, basically three times the weight uh, as every other at-bat if you just had yeah. 162 games. So I, I think that was a big reason. Um, and we'll see a lot of those guys bounce back. Even Think about a guy like Teixeira back in the day. I mean, I, I was a Yankee fan. I've, we had Teixeira for quite some time. This guy was a, a, a notorious slow starter where he would not start hitting until – no, no lie, late May, early June. And then he eventually, his numbers would get to back to where they were. You know, uh, 290 bad and average, he'd have 35 home runs. And you're like, how did that even happen? But if the season would end after 50 games, he probably would be like, he wouldn't have been in the majors very long. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah, I, so uh, that's a good point. It's, I wonder how many guys you can look back at and say, like, if that was just a 60-game season, like, some of these guys might have not, not been a thing ever. It would have just been yeah. sent down and never heard from again. So, Well, Tino Martinez was that way. And when he replaced Don Maddenly, he struggled really hard for – I mean, I, I don't know the numbers. I can look it up, but it takes some time. But he struggled until mid-May. And they, he was getting booed at Yankee Stadium, which is hard to believe. In 1996, in the beginning of that year, he was getting booed in Yankee Stadium, Tino Martinez. So short sample sizes, you have to take it with a grain of salt, good and bad. So Trevor Bauer, congrats. You got $40-plus million for it. But um, Pete Alonso. You'll be back next year. I think you'll have 40 home runs. I think you'll be fine. Hope so. Hope so. Um, all right. So let's uh, – I'm looking at the baby monitor right now. and Jordan <laughs> just sat up. So let's do a very uh, quick uh, little fantasy preview here. All right. Cool. So, uh, by the way, so everyone listen to this. I There was a segment in the middle when Devin started ranting, I think, about Jared Porter. It got cut off. So, Devin, I'm not sure on my end if I just didn't hear you. So if it got cut off, I apologize for, um, for whatever. I, I don't want it to sound – Ben, I'm not going to edit it out. So if you guys hear that in the middle of the podcast, I'm sorry about that. Um, and Devin, I also appreciate you doing this. And I think we should make it a regular thing. I think you and I have some good flow on here. And if anyone else would like to pop on here and have a conversation or just talk baseball or um, just talk shit about to, to the other managers and make this uh, uh, a weekly thing, I have no problem doing that. All right. So for baseball, um, I'm preparing a lot for the draft. Obviously, I've been posting the uh, I posted the draft board. I made it uh, Brody Lee theme, so rest in peace, Brody Lee. That was something that hit me pretty hard. Um, 
harder than I thought it would. Um, but we wanted to pay a little bit of tribute to it. There's a lot of wrestling fans in our group. Um, so we did a little purple theme for Brody Lee. Um, and I love Brody. I can go off about him. Uh, so I put all the keepers on there. And it was interesting to see where people are kept. Um, it was interesting to me that Dustin May was kept. It was interesting to me that Tony Gonsolin was kept. Um, and though they were 24th round, uh, 24th overall picks or 24th round picks, to me, that kind of picture being kept was surprising to me. So I, I thought for you, did you look at any, any person's keeper? Obviously, you got the draft kit and everyone did. Did you see anyone that kept anyone that you're like, raise my eyebrows a little bit? I, yeah, I did look. I, look at, I looked at the whole uh, draft board pictures you sent. I'm having trouble remembering some of the ones that kind of uh, opened my eyes a little bit. But the ones you just said, uh, they're pretty interesting now, especially with the Bauer thing. Because like I said earlier in this, this uh, little session, I don't know if those guys have a spot. Um, and you're right. surely not keeping those guys to be like long relievers, you know? So, uh, that's, that's going to be tricky depending on if David Price is still there. Like I said, so I-, I can give you the keepers that I found a little bit, uh, I guess jarring a little bit. So I have it open right now. Um, I thought for best overall jarring in a good way was your keepers. You got two aces for, and you still have your first three picks. So Lucas Giolito in the fourth is insane. He's probably going to be a top five pitcher this year, maybe a top 10 at least, but. I think he could be really up there with Cole and DeGrom and Bieber. Um, Jack Flaherty, who had a really bad year last year, but I think he'll be back. And I think it's a similar kind of anecdotal conversation about shortened season, blah, blah, blah. He was struggling. And then, of course, you have Trevor Story, who's been in your grasp for three times now. You've had him since he came up, I think. And Trevor Story is an absolute animal. He's going to put up the, the, the numbers in course field. So I thought you had the best value. And then not to mention even your N.A. keepers, Kalenic, McKenzie, Pearson and Sixto Sanchez. Amazing. So McKenzie's going to produce this year for you. Sanchez is probably going to produce this year for you. I can see Pearson producing for you as well. Only person you have to wait is Kalenic, and he's worth waiting for, in my opinion. Yeah, those three guys you just mentioned, McKenzie, uh, Sixto, and um, uh, Nate Pearson, who honestly was supposed to really kind of make a big arrival last year. I know he started and got hurt and kind of didn't pitch as well as he was hyped up to be, but... um, I'm excited about those guys. It's going to be interesting, though, the way I do the end of my draft because those three guys could very easily start the season. Like, they're not going to be in an N.A. spot, so then they're going to take up a real roster spot. So how do I use those last three picks? I might yeah, I might end up using those last three picks for guys that are prospects, honestly, because those guys that I have that I kept as N.A.s might not start as N.A. So I'm going to have to navigate that uh in an interesting way as far as giolito i think we know the guy he is now um flowery like you said disappointing last year but i just felt like he never got started like i feel like the whole season for him was kind of starts and stops and starts and stops like i think he'll be and the cars were never in it they how many games were canceled for them they just were never in it like i feel like they just didn't even get started like you said physically and metaphorically they were how many games were canceled in the beginning with the marlins and yeah i think that they just were out i think that killed them but i'm excited about those guys i think six though will definitely start at, uh, in the major league team. I don't see why he wouldn't for them. Um, McKenzie, who knows what they'll do. Obviously they'll need him now, you know, no, no more Carrasco and, you know, Clevenger and all that stuff. So they'll clearly need him. Um, innings limits will be a big thing with those guys. Uh, but even if they can just help me get off to a hot start and then they might not be there to help me towards the stretch run if there's an innings limit, but I'm excited about those guys. And as far as story, like the guy's a beast. And Kalenic, uh-huh. he certainly won't start with the major league team, but I'd be surprised if we don't see him in the majors at all next year. 
Yeah, I have to say I have some post-buyer remorse right now about keeping Scherzer in the first round. Looking back at my roster, I could have kept Plesak, but I don't. I didn't like what I saw from him at the end of the year. But Scherzer is a one overall for me. Is not a good value. He, to me, he's trending downward. He's someone who's trending in the top fifteen at this point, maybe bottom of that. And Scherzer for me is not good value, especially. Yeah, you, you stay that now until he, like, puts up his first complete game shutout and gets you, like, 19 fucking points. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Wins you I mean, a game. He was bad last year, too, but I guess I have to take my own advice and look at the shortened season. Yeah. Um, real quick, I heard Jordan crying, so let's uh, <laughs> let's go quick. So, I was I, I didn't like the fact that Alicia kept Dustin May. I thought that was bad value. But for good, she kept Soto in the round 10, which is awesome. I think she had, that's he's he would have went top three. He's one of the best players in baseball, quietly. So I thought that was good value for her. Um, bad, thinking about Luis Severino for Bizzotti. He gets around 13 out of him, but when is he producing? But the good for Bizzotti, if you look at his whole roster, he's keeping Kyle Lewis at center field, which is amazing for him, round 24. Zach Gallon, who's the ace of Arizona, he keeps. But listen to these uh, the NA players. Casey Mize, Bobby Witt Jr., Ian Anderson, and Debbie Garcia. So three of those guys are going to actually – could be in your rotation this year. So he's going to roll into this year with Zach Allen, Debbie Garcia, and also Ian Anderson in his rotation. So that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, the Gallon um, gal- thing itself is amazing. Casey Mize, by all accounts, is going to be an ace ace or a number two, I would assume. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, the, the only question there is, is how long do we wait for Bobby Witt? I don't know when his uh, ETA is, but still, no, amazing an ace for sure. Right. All right, so I'll, I'll wrap this up quick so this way because I know you got to go. But I really appreciate you doing this. Um, the one thing I want to remind people is that the draft is on March 20th at Bizzotta's house. Please be there in person if you can. I mean, at this point, I think I gave you guys a year notice of the, the date. The only person that won't be there is Jimmy. Um, he, he probably wouldn't be there anyway if the COVID situation wasn't going on. But, Jimmy, I'm going to blame it on COVID this year. So next year, I, I expect you to be in New York for the draft. Um, as far as other things go, please read through the keepers. Please re- look at your draft kit. If I'm missing something, if I got something wrong on it, please let me know. I don't think I did. Um, read through the Constitution. It's 16 pages long. There are some rules. I inputted the rules that we have been compiling over the years. It has the Perrier rule. It has the pocket drop rule. It has rules about keepers. It has rules about uh, what happens if um, I'm unfit to be commissioner. If you guys hate that I'm commissioner, you guys can throw me out. There's a, there's a whole little paragraph about that. <laughs> Um, and also about rule changes and um, implementing new scoring settings. That is all in there about how you guys want to approach it. And I'm always open for ideas and suggestions and all of that. So keep that in mind um, as we go forward. I'm always open to changing a little bit of the league, adding roster spots, de- decreasing roster spots. And the one final thing I want to say is, remember, we're moving down to four bench players again, not six because of COVID. We're going back to four. I mean, we can change that if the season gets a little gnarly. That's always open-ended. And then the, the IL spots move back down to four as well. So, but uh, Devin, I really appreciate you doing this for me. And if we can make it, you know, a bi-monthly thing or whatever, or like post matchups and stuff, uh, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, let me know, man. As soon as the, Met, the, the Mets make this huge Jake Arrieta signing, maybe I'll hop on. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely down to have a conversation about that. You might not be as passionate, though, because you just might be just like beaten into submission. Yeah, I'm sure. All right, man. I really appreciate you doing this. I hope you have a great day. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And I have been.